Admiral Fletcher felt the blood drain from his features. He clutched the armrests of his chair and heaved himself to his feet. Excuse me, he muttered. The Admiral was a big man, and he was unsteady as he turned. His left leg brushed against the chair he'd been sitting on. As he fled the room, the chair went flying, skidding on its back to hit a glass case. Fortunately, nothing broke in the Lord High Admiral's office, not that Fletcher would have noticed. The Admiral raced through the outer room. The secretary looked up surprised and then, confused, sputtering a few words. Fletcher kept going, his gaze unfocused. His feet thudded down the hall. He was shaking his head, muttering, No, not again. I've done my duty. I... Sir, an aide said, shooting to his feet. Fletcher never heard the man crossing the lobby in seven swift strides. The admiral flexed his big fingers, wondering why he couldn't feel them. With a crash, he burst through a door, shouldering a commodore out of the way, causing the smaller man to thud against a wall. Fletcher didn't notice, but the bloodless feeling departed at the physical contact. Anger began to wash across his features. People who saw him stepped out of his way. Fletcher wasn't sure about the actual path after that. He just kept moving. After pounding up several flights of stairs, he found himself on the roof of Starwatch's high command complex in Geneva. The Marines on the icy roof muttered among themselves. The lieutenant made a call explaining the situation to someone. The man listened, nodded, and dispersed his men, putting them back at their respective posts. They would leave the admiral alone. As Fletcher clutched the parapet, he gazed at the snow on the mountains. He only wore his uniform, beginning to feel the cold. He, a man beside him, cleared his throat. Fletcher turned just enough to see that Lord High Admiral Cook stood beside him. The older man was bigger than he was, with a shock of white hair under his cap. Cook wore his dress uniform and a great coat over that, protecting him from the winter chill. Can't remember the last time someone just up and left in the middle of a meeting, Cook said in his deep voice. Fletcher frowned, realizing he should apologize. Instead, he raised a hand, letting it make a small, useless circle in the air. You're my fire-breathing, fighting admiral, Cook said. I was, Fletcher muttered, before, before losing half my command at Korea 323. He referred to a space battle in C-Quadrant. The new men had tricked him at Korea 323, outmaneuvering his ships and nearly destroying the entire Fifth Fleet. He had fled with the survivors through the void to the Tanish system. Those had been a terrible six months, knowing the rest of his ships would perish at the enemy's hands. Then Captain Maddox in Starship Victory had showed up, helping just enough so the remnants of Fifth Fleet had escaped back to Earth for refit and repairs. I'm not going to give you a speech, Cook said, but I will say a few words. The Commonwealth needs time, several years at least. A good battleship takes at least two and a half years to construct. Add another six months to shake down a new crew. We can't let the new men consolidate the planets of Sea Quadrant. We have to attack now that you bloodied them. Not me, Fletcher said. But Maddox, in that alien supership of his. Victory helped you, Cook said. There's no doubting it. But you set the stage so we still had a fleet to fight with. Is Victory joining your grand fleet? Fletcher asked abruptly. You know it won't. 
The scientists need more time to reverse-engineer the vessel's neutron and disruptor cannons. If we had those systems... Fletcher faced the Lord High Admiral. Listen to me. Victory is a fighting ship. We're never going to reverse-engineer those alien ships. I've read the reports. The ad hoc science continues to baffle our best people. John, Cook said, putting a big hand on the Admiral's forearm. War is a gamble, you know that.